We're going to do part two today on the blood covenant or the blood of the covenant. And uh, turn with me, if you would, please, again to the book of uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse, <clears throat> let's start in verse 12. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. Last year around this time, Jenny, the Lord had me deal with the blood again. I'm not sure why he's doing that again this time, but uh, he just said, I want you to start, end the year and start the year talking about this. So, Lord, we thank you for revelation, light, and knowledge, and truth to be their portion. Open the eyes of their understanding this evening that they would behold wonders and truth, revelation from your word. Lord, use my tongue as that of ready writer as an instrument in your hand. I'm nothing more than a delivery person. Let their eyes be on you, not on me. And I thank you that you write, Father, through my words upon their hearts, revelation, life, and light. And Lord, let that revelation produce faith, because we know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the revealed word. And let it produce victory in their life, because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So I thank you, Lord, that's why we come. We come to get revelation from the word and the power of the Holy Ghost. It writes upon our heart, faith springs forth, and victory is the result. Lord, I thank you. Angels, assist us this evening in, in the word, the, the divine words, need divine, divine assistance. Let it land right. In Jesus' mighty name. And Father, I thank you that if there's, any, uh, if there's anything that is, uh, that is below the covenant in our lives, if there's anything trying to latch upon us that is below and beneath our covenant status, as we meditate upon the blood covenant, let those things fall away from us. In Jesus' name. Lord, set us free tonight. Set the people free tonight. Heal them and set them free in Jesus' name from anything that would detract from that high and glorious covenant that they have with you. In Jesus' name. You know, if there's bondage or oppression, just sitting under the teaching of the word on the covenant, it just call, certain things just fall off just by sitting there and just by receiving it and opening your heart to it. Amen. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter, 12, chapter 9, verse 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if by the blood, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified through the purifying of the flesh, you see these old covenant uh, goats and bulls and heifers. See what it would do? It would purify. It would purify their flesh for 365 days. What he's saying is, if that lesser blood could do that, how much more? Verse 14 show the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot or blemish to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator or the go-between of the New Testament. Remember, he came between us and God, cut covenant so that we could enter in. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that we were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament or covenant is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all why the testator liveth. What's he saying? He's talking about the covenant cut through the blood of Jesus. Jesus is the testator. He's the covenanter. There was no power before while he was walking. He had power over demons and sickness. But in terms of to save mankind, he had no power while he walked the earth. But when he died and his blood was shed, there was the death of the testator. And now what happens? Because that blood was shed by the death of the testator, what does it say here? It says it has force. Yes. 
Do you see that? It has strength. You see verse 17? For a testament is a force after. In other words, after Jesus died and rose again, his blood had force. Otherwise, it is of no strength while he lives, but there's strength after he dies, which means this covenant that I have has force to it. It has power to it. It has life to it. It has strength to it because it's enforced by Jesus himself. Not based on my works, but based on his perfection. It doesn't matter if I mess up. I can repent and, and be made clean because he can't mess up. And that's why I thank God he didn't cut it with me, Nigel, because if he cut it with me, it would be over pretty quick. He cut it with Jesus. That's why it's eternal. And that's why it's guaranteed because Jesus can't ever mess up. We enter in through his perfection. It's not our perfection. It's his perfection. That doesn't mean we should justify sin. But that, the point is you don't have to be afraid because it was cut with the perfect one. It's eternal. It can never break. Can never be never be shattered because it's not based on human human perfection it's based on Jesus's perfection thank God for that so we see that this covenant that this new testament in his blood this new covenant has strength and force because of that blood we're on verse 18 neither the first testament was dedicated without blood in other words the first testament had to have blood too even though it was lesser blood for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet, wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. Remember last Wednesday we talked, he sprinkled people with the blood. And they would feel just as, just as the, the, this few people, they felt the sprinkling of that water, they would feel the sprinkling of that blood on their bodies and on their faces. And he would do it to all the people. Can you imagine how long that would have taken? He sprinkled all the people, Jenny. That, 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 there's a lot of people. But they all had to be sprinkled by that, by that man of God who was, who was authorized to use the blood. And as he did, he said, this is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. That means enjoined, literally means he's commanded or charged you to obey it. That's all it means. He's, in, he's given you a charge, obey this covenant. So what is the focus of the sentence? The focus of the sentence is not the blood in that verse. The focus of the sentence is the covenant. I've given you a covenant to obey. But how are you going to obey it? Well, this covenant is alive because there's blood attached. And where there's blood, there's life. Because the life, the Bible says, is in the blood. So he's saying this is the blood. This is the life power of the covenant that God commands you to obey. And as, he's, as they're feeling that blood come be sprinkled on them, they're hearing these words, this is the blood of the covenant, charged to you to obey it. Amen. That's a holy thing. That's a holy thing. Moreover, he sprinkled both with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And that word literally in the Greek means freedom. Without the shedding of blood, there is no freedom. And then it talks about the patterns in heaven and earth because remember the pattern in heaven of the holy place and the pattern on earth. That's why he had to go into the holy of holies and sprinkle everything because that's how it is. That's what Jesus did when he went to heaven, when he took his holy blood, he sprinkled all of those, all of those uh, elements in the holy place in heaven, the holy of holies. There's the holy of holies in heaven. And he sprinkles it with his precious blood because the natural in this realm was sprinkled with animal blood and had to be renewed every year. But that is sprinkled once and for all with his blood for all eternity. Never has to be. Jesus never has to go in again and no, sprinkle with his holy blood again yeah. because it was done once and for all. Yeah. So 
I'm just reading you some, but, but the main scripture that I want you to see here is that he takes, their, he takes this blood and, and he says to them in verse 20, this is the blood of the testament or the covenant. This is the blood of the covenant which God has charged you to obey. And so he, when he applied the blood to them, he was talking about the covenant. And so I, I shared some thoughts with you last week, which I just want to briefly repeat and then say some new things. Uh, I'd asked the Lord some questions on the fast. Why, did, uh, why didn't they apply the blood every year? Because I asked that rabbi, did they apply the blood through antiquity after the Passover night? And he said, no, Jews only have ever applied it once. And that was on Passover. They never apply it again. So I said, well, Lord, I asked, because he doesn't know why, but I said, Lord, why, why did that, why did this, why, how come that they did it one time and that they've never done it since, the Jews, for all those years, and even today, but especially in the Old Testament? And, uh, and, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, well, because the, only the priest was qualified as a holy, set-apart, consecrated person to handle the blood, and that was the high priest itself. Once a year, one man could handle the blood. But in the New Testament, we're a kingdom of priests. All of us are qualified to handle the blood of Jesus. Listen, think about that. One man, once a year, to handle animal blood. And here we are, every believer, every day, to handle the most precious substance in the universe. That's why if you're not thinking about it, if you never talk about it, if you never honor it, that's why I'm teaching you so that you'll change. Because you've been given a right and a privilege and an expectation to handle something the Old Testament saints couldn't fathom the privilege of this. And here we have it and many people don't even think about it. That's why it has to be taught so that you'll think about it. So that you'll realize the privilege that you have. You are a high priest unto God from that perspective. And you are authorized to do it every day and not once a year. And you are authorized to handle it because it is the precious blood, not just animal blood. But look how they reverenced animal blood. We're talking about the precious blood of Jesus. How much more should we be regularly thinking about it? So that's why then I said, Lord, why, why were they allowed to do it then uh, once at Passover? If they, if they weren't authorized to handle it, why did they, you let them even do it once? And he said to me, because it was a symbolic act of their will. Remember, not all those Jews were saved. If they didn't put the blood, that angel came and killed their firstborn. It had to be a decision of their will to obey the instruction of the prophet, which was Moses, kill the animal and put the blood. It was a one-time act, and it was of their decision of their own will. And the Lord said to me, that's a symbol and a shadow and a type for the New Testament that they would be a one-time act. You never have to get saved again. It's a one-time act to say, Jesus, I confess you as my Savior. Wash me. Let your precious blood come on my house, my heart, like that blood came on their house. It's a one-time act that saves you. That's why he let them do it once and never again, because it represented our salvation experience. Remember, everything in the Old Testament is a, is a shadow. We have the substance of that shadow. It's a type. We have the reality of that type. Jesus made everything new in the New Testament. That's why it's called the New Testament. It's new and it's real to us. So I, I, I'm just repeating some of the things I said last week. So the third question I said is, then why did they only do it once a year? Why should we also not do it once a year if they did it once a year? And he spoke to me and he said, animal blood is to be honored, could be honored. It was right for them to honor it yearly. But the precious blood of Jesus is far greater. It would be a crying shame for a believer to only honor the blood once a year. Because we've been given the precious blood. It should be honored on a daily basis. Because we're priests authorized to handle it. Now you don't apply to get saved. That's a one time. But there can be a daily reverence for it. 
a daily mentioning of it, which, which allows that power to work and makes you aware of that power so that your faith is released in that power. You know, God knows about what he's provided for you. Yes. He doesn't need to be reminded. You need to be reminded what he's provided for you. That's why we talk about the covenant and the blood so you can be reminded. This is what God did for me. This is what he paid the price for. You know what? I'm going to walk in that today. It's really for our benefit. It's not because God's insecure. It's because he wants us to remember what he's done. So he says, talk about this regularly on a regular basis. They did it once a year. You do it every day. I really believe that. Not legalistically. But there, there should be a daily remembering. Now, when we say the blood, remember, you don't hold, remember, you say, son, you're holding it in a vacuum. And that's why you're stumbling. You can't hold the blood in a vacuum. Meaning it's not just talking about the blood and that's the only thing. You, when you think of the blood, you just think of the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of the covenant. When you think about the blood, you've got to connect the word covenant to it. When you're talking about the blood, you're talking about the covenant that you have with God. Yeah which only happened because of the blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there could be no covenant. And you can't have a covenant without blood being shed. So when we're saying, when I say the word blood, you also think of the word covenant. When we say the word covenant, think of the word blood. Because when I say uh, honor the blood on a daily basis, what are we really saying? Honor the covenant. Remind yourself every day that because of that life that was given by Jesus, that blood that caused you to enter in, every day you need to meditate on the fact that you are a covenant person. Because if you don't, when sickness comes, you'll act like an uncovenanted person because you don't ever think about your covenant. And you'll freak out like they do. And you'll cry and wail like they do. And you'll have a conniption fit like they do. Because they don't have any hope. They don't have any covenant. There's nobody watching their back but them. That's why they make such a big deal about Medicare. Because you understand, from a sinner's perspective, their doctor is the only one watching their back. The doctor is the only help they have. They have to have access because they could die otherwise. I'm not against Medicare. I'm not against OHIP. I'm not against anything. But my confidence is not in the medical system because I'm a covenant man. My confidence is in my covenant with God. So when I meditate on the blood, I'm meditating. I'm a covenant man. You must meditate daily on your covenant with God. It will take care of the stress on finances. It will take care of the stress on danger. It will take care of the stress on, on health. It will take care of everything. Because every, everything you'll see, you'll look through the glasses of covenant. Yes. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have to talk that way. I'm a covenant man. No, that temptation. That, I understand that, that temptation. I feel that temptation. But no, no, no. I'm a covenant man. I have a power in me to say no to that. You never talk about the covenant. You never think about the covenant. You never talk about the blood or meditate on the blood. You're just going to face things. And then you're going to, because you're a Christian and you've heard some teaching, you're going to try to your confession. <laughs> I'm not trying to knock confession because I confess a lot. What I'm saying is with a lot of Christians, it's empty confession. You just start to say a bunch of words because you heard somebody else tell you to say them, but something in you is not breathing and throbbing and pulsating with living revelation knowledge that this is real. When you know that, now don't, don't fall off your holy horse. When you know that, you won't have to confess as much. 
people that I know that know God, there's a certain knowing and a confidence in them. They have to say things. They have to confess things. But you never hear those kind of people doing their mantras. Because when you know God, there's something in you that's different. I'm not saying you don't confess. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is that there's a confession is within this thing. It's, a, it's within a revelation of who you are in Christ. Really, when you talk about covenant, what are we talking about? Who we are in Christ. Because I'm in Christ, because I have covenant with Christ, this is what I've been given. So when we're talking about covenant, what are we talking about? Your revelation, your daily meditation on who you are in Christ. Dad Hagen talked a lot about you've got to know who you are in Christ. Really, what is he saying? You've got to know your covenant. Because who you are in Christ is your covenant. It's just a different way of phrasing it, but it's the same thing. Are you with me? So we're authorized, number one, in the New Testament to handle the blood. Number two, we got saved once, but number three, we honor it daily. You got it. So why do we, quote unquote, apply it? If it's, if it's on us, if it's, we're washed in it, if God sees us through it, if we enter into the throne of grace by it, why are we applying something that's on us? Like, I mean, I'm just a simple guy, Jenny, and I don't understand. Everybody says, apply the blood, apply the blood, apply the blood. Did it leave me? No. At midnight, at 12, at 12 a.m., does it disappear? No. And now, I, and now I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm alone while I sleep? And then I wake up in the morning and I apply the blood and God's with me again? Of course not. So I ask God some of these simple questions that I don't find many people if they do ask God, they don't talk about it because I'd like some help. Yeah. A lot of people don't talk about that stuff. And uh, the Lord started dealing with me and he started saying to me, the word applying, when you talk about pleading the blood or applying the blood, which is a Pentecostal kind of term. But when you, when you talk about that, really what you're doing for you, and now listen closely because I'm going to add some stuff that I never said last week because I ran out of time. I can't say everything in one sermon. He said, when you're, when you're talking about that application for your own personal life, it's more of a reminding and an honoring and a making much and a magnifying the blood because it hasn't left you. You're still under it all the time. So don't look at it like, well, it's gone and now I am applying it. No, I'm under it all the time. But I have to remind myself of who I am in Christ, that covenant, that I'm a covenant man, that the life of God is breathing in me and pulsing. That's why I talk about it, to remind myself and keep it forefront in my heart and my mind. So as I walk through that day, I'm conscious of my covenant. When the problems show up, I'm conscious of it. That's why I talk about it. It's not really applying it like it's not there, but it's an honor and a reverence and a magnifying and a making much of it. Yes, Are you with me? Yes. But then there is an applying it in another other flip side of the coin, which we'll talk about in a second, but I'm talking about for your life personally. It's more of a magnification of it. It's a reinforcement. It's a, it's a, it's a re-honoring on a daily basis. Can you understand? And Dad Hagen didn't talk as much as other people did about apply, apply, plead, plead. I'm not saying he didn't say those words because he did, but he made a strong emphasis more than the word applying as he would say, magnify the blood. Talk about the blood, honor the blood, worship God for the blood, make much of the blood. What's he saying? Because as you do that, you are, you are reminding intentionally, consciously yourself that you're under that blood, that you're in covenant with God, that you're seated in heavenly place and that you have certain rights and privileges today. Amen. And you can do that by magnifying the blood. Really, that is, that is quote unquote, applying it. 
from that perspective, on your life personally. I'm not talking about other people right now. I'm talking about you. Are you with me? Okay. So what was Moses really saying? I'm quoting verse 20. This is the blood of the covenant, basically, that you are commanded to obey. And joined to you means you're commanded to obey it. So really, what's it? I'm going to give you some phraseology of really what Moses was saying to Old Testament, non-born again, but covenanted Israelites. Whereas what I'm saying as a New Testament, born again, covenanted believer, because they are the shadow and I am the substance of that shadow. Do you understand? I have the substance of it. They have a type. I have the reality of that type. Do you understand? So what was really Moses saying when he said, this is he sprinkling. This is the blood of the covenant that you are commanded to obey. And they would feel that blood hit them. What's he saying here? Well, one thing he's, I'm, giving, I'm just breaking out really what he's trying to get over to the people. And they did it once a year. What he's saying is, you have a covenant because of blood. That's what he's saying to them. You have a covenant because of blood. What is it? Calves and goats and bulls and heifers. But what am I saying? I have a covenant. I'm doing the same thing. He did it once a year. I do it every day. I talk about the blood every day to myself. What am I saying? As he sprinkled it on them with his hand, what I do is I sprinkle it by speaking with my mouth. He sprinkled, I speak. He sprinkled on them because they couldn't handle it. I I speak it over myself because I can handle it. I'm authorized to handle it. What he's saying is this is the covenant. You have a covenant because of blood, animal blood. What am I saying? I have a covenant because of Jesus' blood. What was he doing? He was reminding them, your covenant. Jew, you listen to me, your covenant. I know there's all these tribes around, but your covenant. They're not covenant, your covenant. God will fight for you, your covenant. All these sicknesses around, that's what Deuteronomy 28 is all about. You've got all this problem, but your covenant, you have a right to he- for healing. Amen. He's saying you have a right for prosperity. You're a covenant man. Amen. You don't have to be poor and broke. God says he'll give you power to get wealth. Yes. See, what he's saying as he's sprinkling with the blood is everything the covenant represents, which is Deuteronomy 28 and all the other verses. Think about what that means. That they are covered from sin that they are commanded to obey, even though they don't really have the help of God the same way that we do, but they're still commanded to obey it to the best that they can. And number three, that they are the blessed, the blessing of Abraham. When he's saying your covenant, what he's saying, you're, you're the blessed, you're the blessed one. I don't want you to forget it this year. You're the blessed one. That means you have a right to protection. That means you have a right to healing. And that means you have a right to prosperity. Don't have to be condemned because your sin is covered right now. Now, obey the word, obey the covenant, and you'll prosper. Amen. Remember Jeremiah 28, 1, if you'll obey and hearken to my voice, I'll put you on the high places of the earth. What was he saying? You have a covenant. I'm talking to, to Wayne now, the Old Testament covenanted, non-born again Israeli. Are you with me? You have a covenant because of this animal blood. I'm reminding you that you have a covenant. Live this year covenant-minded. What do I do? I'm speaking it. I'm sprinkling it and speaking it upon myself because I have an authorization to handle it. What am I telling myself every day? Like he told the people, you have a covenant because of animal. I'm saying, Craig, you have a covenant. Jesus, thank you. I have a covenant because of your precious blood. 
oh, I'm a covenant man. I remind myself that I'm a covenant man today. I'm going to face some things today, but it is going to come up against covenant. And when something comes up against covenant, who do you think wins? I don't care what it is. It has to give way. Because covenant is like a moving train. You put anything in its path. You put a tractor trailer in the path of the movement. There's just too much mass and force moving too fast. It just pushes everything out of the way. That's what my covenant is like a moving train, Nigel. If something comes up, if, if there's a danger on the road, if there's a danger of sickness, if there's a problem with this person, wh- whatever it is, it's coming up against a power it cannot overcome. Covenant will run over it. But I'm reminding myself Like he said, you're a covenant man because of blood. I'm saying, Craig, you're covenant because of the blood of Jesus. How do I remind myself? With my words. How did he remind them? By sprinkling. How did he do it? Once a year. Why do I do it? Every morning. This is powerful, Jenny. If if people catch it, it's powerful. What was he saying? This covenant has strength or force because it's by blood or life. There's life in the blood. This he's sprinkling them saying, now this covenant, you're a covenant man. This has got power behind it because it's got blood behind it. That's why they felt the blood sprinkle on them. This is not a joke. In other words, what he's saying is this is live is alive. This is real. Now, what am I saying? I'm not saying the same thing he's saying, but I'm saying this covenant, same thing, has life and force and strength, but not because of animal blood, because it's got the ultimate life. If that thing had some strength to it, how much more strength does this thing have? If that had force, how much more does this have? If they could get healed under that covenant in Deuteronomy 28, what am I doing with cancer? This life blood has power. He's saying to them, your covenant, it has life and force to it. I'm saying I'm covenant. And this has greater force than them. Man, if you catch it, it change your life. If you really listen and catch it, but you can't just catch it, you got to do it. A lot of people say amen, but they wake up tomorrow and they, they won't do anything. That month will pass, they won't even think about it. It's like something you've got to reprogram your brain to, and put something, a reminder in your phone if you have to. Put sticky notes on your forehead. Uh, tattoo something. Well, don't just do, like, you know, not pull tattoo, but just, you know, wash off tattoo. Just do something and say, apply the blood. Remind yourself, honor the blood. Put it on your window when, before you're doing your hair. Honor the blood. On the, on the thing. Honor the blood. It's just something to force you to remember. Talk about it. Tell yourself, this, I'm a, I have a covenant because of this blood. And this blood has force. This is not a joke, Jenny. This is a train that will overrun anything in its path. But you see, I meditate on that. That's why I'm not afraid. Do you understand why? I'm not some superhuman. I'm not afraid because I do this. (laughs) When we're on that plane and they said there's a problem and the emergency vehicles are lined up in case we crash. And you could hear people. I just sat there cool as a cucumber, not because I'm so tough. I'm a covenant man. They don't understand because they're not. Their, their life is hanging in that pilot's ability. My life is hanging in God's ability. And angels will take that plane down if I call upon them. That's why you don't have to be afraid if you get this and meditate upon it. Hallelujah. This covenant, you have, I'm giving you points, you have covenant because of the blood. Now he's sprinkling them and saying this covenant has power. 
Can you imagine what we're saying? Now he's saying this covenant as, as real has a degree of life because that blood had life. But now I'm saying this covenant is fully real and has full measure of life because the blood of Jesus is eternal. It's not corrupted. Then he's saying this covenant, when he's sprinkling, he's reminding them, this covenant was made with Abraham. How many hundreds, if not thousands of years ago? That's what he's telling the Jews. What am I saying to myself? As I talk about it, as I'm sprinkling it with my mouth, I'm saying this covenant was not cut with Abraham. That was the Old Testament. This covenant was cut when my Jesus hung upon that tree. This covenant was cut with Jesus, not Abraham. This covenant was cut 2,000 years ago, and this covenant became real to me 39 years ago when I entered it. And this covenant is as real to me today as it was the day I got born again. And today I have rights and privileges in that covenant. You with it? You with me on this? I'm trying to tell you what Abraham was communicating when he said, this is the blood of the covenant. He's saying, you have it because of blood. I have it because of blood. He's saying it's powerful. I'm saying it's full of life and force and strength. It's alive. He's saying this was cut because of Abraham. I'm saying this is cut because of Jesus. Praise God. He's saying this covenant that you have is because of animal blood. And it's real. Listen, what Abraham is trying to tell the people is you've got this covenant because of animal blood and it's got to be real to you. It's got to be, if you don't make it real to you, when the enemy comes, you, don't, you won't know what to do. When sickness comes, you won't know how to stand. But because you have a covenant, you can stand. Because it's got to be real to you. To emphasize the word to. But when I talk about the blood, it's not just real to me. It's real in me. Because it was on them, but it's in me. So when I talk about this, it can't just be, well, this is real to me. This is real to me but this is real in me. This is alive in me. This is greater than what they had. They just had a concept that they were excited about. I've got something that breathes inside me. And I have to meditate on that. He showed honor for the covenant by sprinkling. I show honor for the covenant by speaking. I'm honoring it, sprinkling it, or applying it with my mouth. It's alive in me. It was alive to them, but it's alive in me. There's a difference. And then he's basically ending it by... This is all in that one phrase. If you really study what he's trying to tell the people of Israel, it's all about the covenant, that he's reminding them there's life and power because there's blood been shed. Make it real to you. Every day as a believer, there's life and power because the blood has been shed. And you're a covenant man and woman. Make it real in you by talking about it. Hallelujah. Really what he's saying is, now don't don't you forget it. Don't you ever forget it. For the next 365 days, don't you dare forget that you're a covenant man. The blood that you feel on you right now is a testimony that you are a covenant man. And no matter what happens this year, you're going to be fine if you live in obedience. If you start getting in lusting after your neighbor's wife, breaking the Ten Commandments, stealing and cheating and lying and worshiping other gods, you're breaking the covenant and God's not going to come to your aid. But if you will obey the covenant, remember this is the blood of the covenant that he commands you to obey. If you live right and obey his word, you remember that for the next one year you are divinely safe. You're not just covered of sin, 
you are not just commanded to obey, but you are blessed. That means no matter what happens, there's protection. No matter what tribe comes, there's protection. No matter what wild beast shows up, there's protection. No matter what you feel in your body, there is healing. For he is Jehovah Rapha, the God that he, that's what he's saying to them. No matter what happens with your business, there is a blessing for the Lord makes us rich and adds no sorrow. That's what he's saying to them. He's talking to them about obeying. He's talking to them about living free from condemnation because they're covered. And then he's talking to them about the blessing, the blessing of Abraham, protection, health, and prosperity. And Jenny, that's what we are telling ourselves. That's what you've got to meditate on. You've got to meditate on this. Don't you forget it, Craig. For the next 24 hours, because I do it every day, so I only have to worry about, I only not worry, I only have to think about 24 hours. For this day, right to the time I wake up tomorrow morning. I don't just say till midnight because I'm sleeping. From this moment to the time I wake up tomorrow morning, for the next 24 hours, don't you forget it, Craig. You're a covenant man. They had to live then with that a whole year. I don't need to live with it a whole day because I'm going to renew it out of honor tomorrow morning. I'm a covenant man. That means, that means the blood has washed me, not covered me. That means no condemnation, no self-hatred, no guilt, nothing. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm totally, spotlessly clean. I don't have to feel guilty and hate myself. I am clean. And they were told to obey it, but I've got something else. I've got the Holy Ghost inside helping me obey it. And I am higher blessed than they were because I've got the blood of Jesus, not the blood of animals. I've got a covenant based on him, not based on an animal. That means if they were blessed, how much more am I blessed? That means anything that comes my way, anything, anything, you cannot touch me. Sickness, germs, COVID, Omicron, muggers, whatever. It doesn't matter if there's danger of any kind. It stops. I have to remind myself I'm covenant. I have divine protection. I have divine healing. And I have divine increase and prosperity. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, help us. Now you understand why I don't get people that are afraid of, of COVID. If you're afraid and you're a believer, you just don't have a revelation of your covenant. And it's not like you go to a church and don't teach you. So it's really your heart condition because you're hearing it. And if you're still afraid, now you'll see me wear masks, but I'm not wearing masks in any way, shape or form because I think it's keeping me safe. (laughs) I know that some of you struggled because I got emails about the mask out of the garbage. (laughs) I don't believe in that. I'm not promoting that. I'm just saying I'm using it as an example. If you truly understand your covenant, nothing, no germ, no infection, no creepy crawly can touch you. That's why, because you look, some people, well, that you're just testing God. No, the Holy Ghost told me to do that. He said, you can miss your appointment or you can get the mask out of the garbage. What do you want? Now, there was a third option. Walk inside without the mask with everybody staring at you and giving you death adder looks. 
and say, could I please have a mask? I forgot it. But I would rather take my risk with the garbage mask than have everybody talking and attacking me when I walk in the hospital. Because they will. And I just wasn't in the mood. You know, ever been in that mood? I just knew today is not the day to mess with me. If some nonsense loser says one word to me, I'm going to clean their clock. I was in that kind of a mood. Like, don't mess with me. I'll take you down and I'll show you the sights. I'm serious. I, I was in a non-playful mood that day. And I, so God needed that. So I don't, want, I don't want confrontation. I'm not promoting taking mass out of garbage. It's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that if you truly understand who you are and you're being led by the Spirit, nothing can touch you. But I truly believe with every ounce and fiber of my being because of covenant and because of the blood which is a barrier that stays destruction those things die on contact with my skin and because I was led by the spirit are you listening to me you have to be led by the spirit and you have to have revelation you can't just have revelation and not be led by the spirit you've got to have both otherwise it doesn't work right I was led with revelation. And do you think anything can touch me? No, that's why I went into the malaria zone with youth with a mission, YWAM doctors in full hazmat suits. And they were still, the mosquitoes were coming in somehow through their suits, biting them. They were catching malaria and they were being helivacked out in central India. And God says, go. 19, go. (laughs) You better believe in your covenant, my brother and sister. So when I got there and I pulled out my, my trusty malaria pills and realized that they were purification pills instead of the malaria pills and I'd taken the wrong ones. So I've got no, no natural help whatsoever. I don't even have the pills. But you're going to understand, when, when, God, when you're led by the Spirit and you have a revelation of covenant, nothing can touch you. You've got to learn, brothers and sisters, to believe that outside this building... Do you understand? That's why you got to talk to yourself every day. I thank you for that blood. I have the blood. I have a covenant because of Jesus. That blood is alive. It's got force and strength. It's in me. It's alive. It's breathing in me. It's connecting me to God. It's breathing through me. This life inside me blocks and pushes out all death. Craig, remember for the next 24 hours, nothing can by any means hurt you. You're a covenant man. What you need financially will be there. What you need health-wise will be there. What you need protection will be there. You are washed every morning. I get a fresh washing in the blood of Jesus. Lord, I'm clean. Whatever mistakes I've made, and I make many, but Lord, thank you that you wash me. I'm spotless, whiter than snow. And I enter my day with confidence and with grandeur and with majesty, not because I'm majestic, but because he's in me and he's majestic. And no matter what I face, I know I'm fine. That means that God can send me, if he needs a hero to help somebody that's being raped, pick me. I'll help that woman. If somebody is being murdered, pick me. He doesn't really often do it, but I keep telling him, pick me. Like the guy on the team, the coach won't pick him. I keep saying, Lord, pick me. If you need help with someone, if somebody is hurting, if if there's a robbery, pick me. Let me come into that store when they're pulling the gun and let me show them what covenant looks like. You see, you guys don't even know what that means, most of you. You'd run away with your tail tucked between your legs. 
Mama Jenkins, who was a great woman of God that Billy Brim knew well, old lady, Wigglesworth laid hands on her personally. There was somebody that was doing some violence and she put her hand up to him. And she said, I bind that in Jesus' name. And he pulled the trigger right at her face. The gun shot her to hit her right in the face. And she put her hand up and the bullet went, bounced out of her hand and went back in. I mean, it's, it's like what you see in the superhero movies. Bullets bouncing off skin. That actually happened. That's real. See, you don't understand what covenant really is until you put it to the test. I'm not saying I want to be in a war zone, but what I'm saying is that, is that God's looking for people that aren't afraid. He's looking for people that aren't afraid. If we can't handle COVID, you're not going to handle Philippines. <laughs> so I get off the train in Delhi, and the pastor had sent me, you know, we didn't really have emails. We did, but I guess I didn't. This is back in 96, so whatever, I, you know, whatever. Facts was about this we had. So he had faxed the church, had given me the facts. When you come, I'll be waiting outside. Go to the front car of the train. Do not go anywhere else. When you come out of the train, stand still and look. I will be waiting where the front car pulls in. This is the most dangerous station in India. There are people murdered every week, especially white people. They're they, they kill them. And they pull their money out, and they throw them on the tracks and run away. And there's so many people, hunt, I mean, if you've been to India, I mean, every train station has thousands of people. It's just mass chaos everywhere. And so these little groups and gangs, they mingle with the rest of the crowd so nobody knows who did it. And every week they find dead bodies on the tracks. Rich Indian people, as well as often tourists, because they think tourists have money. And typically they do. So I get off the station, I get off the thing, I'm on the front car, I'm, I'm obeying. I got my big backpack. The backpack was about that tall. It's one of those big, long backpacks. So I've got it on me. I only weigh 118 pounds. It goes down to the backs of my knees. The backpack weighs almost as much as I do. So I'm, the stiff wind will blow me over, do you understand? And I got my guitar in its case. You know what a guitar case looks like? Do we have a guitar case? Taylor, if we have one, bring one to me. Do we have one here? Grab one for me, brother. And you don't have to put the guitar in it, but just grab me a case so that you can imagine. And I take, I take it out of, the, out of the train, and there's people everywhere, and I'm looking, and I'm looking. I don't see nobody coming up to me. And I'm looking, and nobody's coming up to me. Nobody's coming up to me. And now the crowds are starting to dissipate. And there's nobody coming up to me. And I've got my big uh, four-foot-long backpack, and I've got my guitar case because I used to lead worship. Don't, don't mock because you don't know how anointed I really am. <laughs> and I was standing there like this with a little bag in my hand and my backpack. And I was standing there listening. I'm looking and there's nobody there. And there's nobody there. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? He told me. And I'm checking the time and I'm looking at my ticket. Did I, did I get everything right? Everything's right. Where is it? Well, it turns out that he made the mistake and he thought I had said the next day. So he wasn't expecting me till the next day. And it was his error, not my error. And he's not there. And nobody is there. And, I'm looking, and the pe people are starting to dissipate. I remember it like it was yesterday, Jenny. Uh, people are starting to leave. They're, so, you know, they're, they're walking around. Other people are kind of coming, waiting for the train. And I'm just kind of, and I'm white, and I'm, I'm 19, 20 years old. I'm a kid. And I look the epitome of a tourist. 
and I'm looking around and I look down there and probably from here to maybe where the sound booth is, I noticed about 30 or 40 people and they're all kind of walking. I didn't notice them at first because there's lots of people, but these people are all in an exact straight line and they're about seven rows deep, maybe about 40 to 50 I'll say 40 so we don't exaggerate, but there was quite a few of them. And they're walking toward me, but they're, com- they're not just, you know, crowds move. These people were walking together. In a crowd that's moving, when you see a group walking in unison, it, you, you, you notice it. It looks different. And I'm looking at them, and I'm looking away. And remember, the end of the track's right there. I can't go anywhere. I can't run. I don't know where I am. I don't know where anything is. And I'm looking for the pastor, and I remember... I thought, they're, they're not looking at me. You know, if you just turn away, then you to convince yourself that people aren't looking at you. And I remember, and I, and I turned away, and I'm just, I mean, there's nothing to look at because that's the track. So I'm looking back, and I'm, they're not looking at me, and they're looking at me. And they're coming. I look down, and I see one of them. He has a bat in his hand. And I'm thinking, this can't be happening. This is not happening. This can't be happening right now. I am not dying on this station in India. And I started getting afraid. I felt my heart start to pound like this, and I started instant sweat. I don't know if you've ever had like a, what people may call a panic. It wasn't really a panic attack because I wasn't hyperventilating, but I mean, fear gripped me. Adrenaline gripped me and I'm looking and I'm starting to kind of move like this and I'm trying not to look at them and I'm looking for that pastor. And I remember thinking to myself, where is he, Lord? Pastor, where where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And and I'm starting to get fearful and they're walking toward me and they could, they come closer and they're closer until they were about where Taylor is to me. And I'm standing here, the train's gone. And then they start fanning in around me. Fanning in around me. Now they're coming 360 degrees. They're around me. And I'm looking at them like this. What, the closest one was about where you are to me, Blair. And the same thing about there, where that pulpit is. And I'm looking at them like this. I'm just staring at them. And I don't know what to think. I don't know what to say. A couple of them have weapons in their hand. Most of them don't. But they're looking at me. And they're looking at me with a look like, not a nice look. Why do you think they're surrounding me? Because they want me to preach to them? Because they're going to take an offering from me? When that is the most dangerous station and there's people killed every, every week. I'm not stupid. I can put two and two together. I know that this is life and death. Do you understand? Now, when my heart's pounding and I feel every symptom of fear that you can feel, panic. This is where, and listen, I'm telling you, you can't just be in your seat in church, in a controlled environment. It's got to be when you're out there. It's got to be when you're facing the devil. Do you believe? that you are a covenant man. Because if you do, he will deliver you. And if you doubt, you may die and go home early to be with Jesus and we'll all cry at your funeral. But you don't have to go that way. You don't have to. And I remember, I'm looking at them and, and, I, and, I, and I'm feeling absolute fear, absolute fear. And, and, I'm, and, I'm looking, and I remember I closed my eyes because I didn't know what to do. So I closed my eyes, I put my head down, and I closed my eyes and I said, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I need your help. I mean, it's not a very faith-filled prayer, but I mean, I was just freaking out inside. And I felt something, (laughs) oh my God. No sooner as I said that prayer, I don't know how to explain it to you, it felt like something came on me. It was like a coat. It was like an invisible coat. I felt it go like that. And I'm telling you, (laughs) I opened my eye. When I felt that thing come on me, I knew God had come on the scene. Before, I was a covenant man, but his presence had not, been there now God is with me on that platform and I opened my eyes like this. I was like a wild animal 
but a holy wild animal. And I looked at them, and I remember I, it was a different look, because I remember they looked at me different after I looked at them like that. I was afraid. They can smell fear. Now I'm not afraid. And, I, and it, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't try to do it. I wouldn't have thought of doing it. It just kind of came out of me. And I just started saying, I bite. And as I said the word bite, that anointing came on me. And I started doing this, like this, like this, with that thing. Remember, I got a 100-pound backpack. I'm only 118 pounds. <laughs> when the backpack centrifugal force can just take me off. <laughs> I'm serious. But when I said, I looked at them and I said, I bind. And I just started, the anointing came on me to spin. I've never had before or after. And I started to spin. And I said, I bind you, I bind you, I bind you. And I was doing that in Jesus' name. And I threw my thing down and I looked at them. And I'm telling you, they were stone-faced, ice. Just, they weren't moving. And I was, I was so like, you know, the anointing comes, but adrenaline kicks in too. And I don't know the difference between the anointing and drill. All I knew was that I want to fight somebody. Like, who do you think you are? Do you know who I am? Kind of attitude. And I'm looking, and they're just staring. Some of them were like motionless, like a statue. Others were looking like this. They were not, they were just looking, looking around, looking at each other, looking at me. And others were just like frozen. And I said, Lord, what? And then, and then it's coming to me what's happening. God is delivering me because I'm a covenant man. And I picked it back up and I thought, now what? <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Now, last week, I, you may not believe me. I've told the story many times. It's been a lot of years, Jenny. But last week when I was talking to the Lord, he reminded me of this story. And he said something to me, which I did not know until last week. One of the reasons I'm telling it to you, because I got some new revelation he said, every time you tell that story, you say a little Indian man walked up to you. I said, well, he did. The Lord spoke to me last week. He said, that was an angel. And I thought, my, our, my mind has always fought that because I don't think angels look like a 5'4 Indian man. But David, when he was recently in Mozambique with those guys, m m Muslim extremists that were going to cut his head off, a little small boy... 10 years old, walked up and intervened, and God said to him, that's an angel. At another time, it was a short little general in Mexico, a paramilitary, you know, not the government, but the, the guerrilla general, with an, with, but he was real short too. And God told him, that was, a, that was an angel. So I've realized that angels can come in all shapes, all colors, all sizes, all types of uniforms. And don't just think that they come glistening white that's 12 feet tall because they can come in the form of a human, any human that they choose. And Lee said to me last week, he said, that was an angel. And I started thinking about it. He was just a, shorter than me. He was a little thin Indian man. And he was coming through. Now what normal person, knowing that this is happening, would intervene on a stranger's behalf? Most normal people wouldn't do that because that'd kill him too. He doesn't know about, if he was a human being, he wouldn't have known about God and covenant and all this stuff. But it was an angel, right? And he just pushed through and looked at me and he said, I've come to help you. <laughs> oh my God. Because I'm standing there saying, Lord, what's next? And he said, I've come to help you. Follow me. And I said, yes. And I followed him. And I remember we pushed right there, about four rows deep. We pushed through those people. And I remember, I remember because I was kind of like roused up. 
I remember I intentionally gave the elbow to, as I, I was moving them like this, I was pushing them with my elbows as I, listen, if you're gonna, I'm gonna just, okay, I'm not that sanctified. Knock you down if I can. But I was like pushing my way through that, that crowd. And then we go, and we go up this hill, and he says, I have a, I have a, I can't remember what they call it now, but it's those three-wheeled black and yellow little taxi demon things. Rickshaw, rickshaw. He said, I have one. So I throw my thing and I'm looking and I'm getting in in the back seat. He's getting in the front. And just as he's driving, I look back and that whole crowd in a circle is still standing there. Some of them are still looking around. Others are still not moved. And I looked at them and I could see them down. And they're just standing there. And I'm in the rickshaw and I'm on my way home to the pastor's house. And I said, go for it, brother. And he zoomed away. And then he asked me like, what, you know, he didn't say much, but he said, you know, who are you? I said, I'm a pastor. And the pastor was supposed to pick me up. He goes, it's a very dangerous area. I said, I know, but God delivered me. He didn't say another word to me. He dropped me off. He waved at me and he took off. <laughs> My God. I wonder where he got his rickshaw. I've often, and now I'm starting to, Lord, how did that angel get a rickshaw? Did he borrow the rickshaw? Did he rent the rickshaw? I don't know how he got it. God didn't answer me that one. He just, I'm telling you, that was an angel. What I'm trying to express to you through an the story is that you've got to understand your covenant can take care of impossible situations, tremendous fear, tre no, no way out, no hope. If you're facing financial crisis, if you understand covenant, you can stand. If you're facing sickness and you understand covenant, you can stand. If you're facing death and you understand covenant, you can stand. You will fear things. God understands we're human. But at the end of the day, covenant will work for you. So I remind myself, Craig, don't you dare forget it. The next day you're a covenant man. The blood has been shed to bring you in. Life is in you. Force is in you. Strength comes out of you. It came because of Jesus and it's alive and it's real. Now show reverence for it by speaking it and by reminding yourself and by applying, when I say applying it, showing honor for it. And I just worship the Lord. I don't need to get into all the, Lord, I applied by faith and all this. I just start saying, Lord, I used to until he gave me revelation. I don't have to do that because it's on me already. I'm just reminding myself for myself's sake, not for God's sake. I'm the one that needs to remember it, not God. Lord, I worship you, Jesus, for your precious blood. Thank you that I'm a covenant man. Thank you that it breathes and pulsates life in me today. Everything I face, everything I face must bow before that covenant right. I'm a man of God. I'm a man and a child seated in heavenly places with Jesus. I am the blessed. I am the protected and the healed and the increased. I am the washed in the blood of Jesus. Don't you dare forget it, Craig. This day, nothing can overcome you. Nothing can overwhelm you. One of the reasons we've had such an attack is because of this revelation. I've told you different times it's been hell on earth. One of the reasons is because of this revelation. I've been endeavoring to use this revelation and apply this revelation, and the devil hates it. So he turns up the heat. But it works. It really works. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I was going to read some other verses, but I'll maybe keep it for next Wednesday. But let me just say this as I close. When you are dealing with yourself, your sphere of influence, that which you have authority over, it is more of a reminding and honoring 
more than an applying because it didn't ever leave you. You are reminding yourself intentionally of what you have. Now, there's nothing wrong. Don't get legalistic. There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I applied the blood to Quinn and Cole. But I can say that, but I don't need to say that because they're under my authority as a covenant man. So when I'm honoring the blood, I'm saying, Lord, I thank you that the blood is on me. I thank you that that covenant extends to my children. That covenant is on my children. They are covenant if they're underage because of me. This house is protected because I have a covenant. That means the blood is on this house. And, I, and, I, and I, do, I do say, I don't have to, not legalistically, but I say, Lord, I thank you that that hanger, because I'm covenant, and it's within my authority sphere. The blood is on that hanger. Because there was a fire on that airport, and the hanger is right beside us, all burned down, but didn't touch my hanger. Because I have a covenant. I say, Lord, wherever that plane is, that the blood, because I'm a covenant, it extends to that plane. It extends to Oasis. It extends to 140 Capitol Court. It extends, Father, to this property, a line around our home, our vehicles. Everything to the fence line is, I'm a covenant, it extends to it. Now, I can say I applied the blood. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is I don't say it like I used to say it, like it had disappeared. I say it more of a reminder and a a worship. And like Dad Hagen said, make much of it, magnify. Lord, I thank you that the blood is on my property because I'm doing it every day. Do you understand? But there is an application, so to speak, different than what I'm talking about. And that is when you're dealing with people, situations, or things that are outside your realm of authority, that are outside the covenant. I don't have authority over my father because he's an adult and I'm an adult and I can't control. Are you listening? My father's not born again. Now, how can I worship God that the blood is on him when he's outside my sphere and he's not a covenant man himself? You understand? So now in that situation... I now actually intentionally apply. Father, I I pray for that person, this situation, this whatever it is, this thing, it's outside my sphere. And I apply that precious and holy blood of Jesus. I Now, what am I really saying? I extend my rights as a covenant holder to that person. Because of my covenant, I'm asking you to protect them. Because of my revelation of the blood, I thank you that the revelation of the blood is on them. The blood is on them. Protect them. But you see, I have to now specify that because they're outside of my sphere. When I get on a plane, before I even get on it, and usually every time when I walk in, because usually the doors open and you see the guy, the pilots, they're doing with their switches. And as I walk past, under my breath, I say, the blood of Jesus on those pilots, on their minds. If there's demons that are trying to speak to them, because the pilots can lose their minds too. You heard that guy in, 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 in Germany that locked the other guy out and then crashed the plane because he wanted to commit suicide. Yes. You put your life in those pilots' hands when you get on a plane. They could be drunk. They could be dis- distracted. They could hit the wrong button. Do you understand? Very few people hold your life in their hand. Pilots are one of them. So I apply the blood. I, I extend my covenant rights to them. Because I'm in their care, that means my covenant will work for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you could say that my covenant works for them, or you can say I apply the blood. It's the same thing because it's the blood of the covenant. And then I apply to that plane. Now that I'm studying how to fly a plane, it's a little bit more real to me how many things can go wrong. And so there's a lot of things that can go wrong. 
And so now it means even more to me when I sit there, you know, or before I even get on, I said, now, Father, to every square inch of that aircraft, inside and outside, stationary and moving, I apply that precious blood. What am I saying? I extend my covenant rights to that piece of machinery. Are you listening? That piece of machinery is now under covenant protection. That pilot should let me fly free if he knew. If he knew who I am and what I have, they would let me fly free. Because they are under my divine protection as a covenant believer. Are you with me? So I'm saying out things outside your sphere, outside your control. You can extend the rights of your covenant to that individual situation or thing by applying the blood. And you should. Because you will see much is alleviated. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when I said last week, I wanted to bring clarity. When I said last week, it's not really about applying. I'm talking about you personally. Because if you're living in God, it's not leaving you. It's more of a reminder and an honoring and a magnifying the blood on a daily basis. If you miss a day, don't think it left you. Don't get legalistic and weird. But just get back into the habit of thank you for that blood. Thank you that I'm a covenant man. Oh, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. It's living in me. I have a covenant because of you. It's alive. It's full of power in me. I remind myself, don't you forget it, Craig. Don't you forget it. The next 24 hours, your covenant, and it's a train, and everything will bow to that. And then I remind myself, I'm washed in that blood. I have power to obey the word of God. The Holy Ghost is my helper to obey it. It's easy for me to live clean. I say that out of my mouth. I'm led by him. I'm led by the Spirit. I know the inner witness. I'm blessed, which means I'm prospered, and I'm increased, and I'm safe. Amen. The next 24 hours, it can't touch me. Whatever it is. That means drunk drivers. You understand how far this goes? That means drunk drivers can't touch me. They might drive drunk, but God will protect me. I, just, just a month ago, I'm driving, and I was talking to Luke, and I heard the Holy Ghost about five minutes before say, pay extra attention. I said, okay. And, and I, he's talking, and I, you know, every now and then I'll look back at him. And I'm driving on that country road up there. And the guy, I don't know if he fell asleep. I don't know what happened. But as I'm driving, I'm seeing him, and he's coming over his line. And I'm driving about 80, and he's driving about 80. And he's coming over his line. And I'm looking at myself, he, 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 he's going to move over, right? He's going to move over, right? And he's speeding toward me. And by the time he got to me, he was completely in my lane, and I was completely on the shoulder. I mean, I had to get on that shoulder and cut back because there was a telephone pole that I was about to go into. And it happened so fast, James, I couldn't even honk the horn until he was, until, I mean, it was just like, so like, shot, what, what is that? And then, shoo, shoo, and then I'm honking the horn while he's already passed. I don't know if he fell asleep. I don't know if he was drunk. But that's what I'm trying to say. Because I'm a covenant man. I have a right to hear the promptings of the Spirit to protect me. And sometimes he'll say he didn't that time, but sometimes they don't go on that road. Well, but, but, but there's traffic on that road. Why don't you just listen and not argue about the traffic or about your gas savings or about this or that? Well, my favorite Starbucks, just obey. But he didn't tell me not to go on the road because he's going to tell me another way. I'm talking this kind of protection extends not just to germs. It extends to muggers. It extends to flights. It extends to drunk drivers. It extends to vandalism. It extends to everything. But if you don't meditate on it and talk about it and show reverence for it and say, thank you, I remind myself, I will walk in that today, Father. 
then you will walk in a lower level. And then you get sick, and then you get broke, and then you get this, and then you get that. And then you say, this doesn't work. No, it works if you will reverence it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank God that he saved me on that platform. Thank God he saved me in El Salvador when I was drowning. There's so many times <laughs> I told my wife that I shouldn't be here. I'm serious. They came to kill us in Africa. Jenny and I. Those four big men. And the lady's looking at us and she's, go boss, go. They come kill you, go. And those men were coming, man. And I couldn't get the car started. I couldn't get the car started. And I said, in Jesus' name. And that, and I, and I, I tried to hit them as I went. But, you know, because I'm, I'm not sanctified fully. But, but, but I couldn't. I mean, the, the tails spun out. But I, I didn't. I wanted to knock one of those jerks down. They were coming to murder us. Because we had got lost and we had wandered off. And we were in the middle of nowhere where white people should not be. And I'll tell you one more and then I'll close. On my last trip when I went fasting, I wanted to go downtown. I wanted to see this particular place that John Lake talked about. And so I was trying to find it and I, find, and I found it, Lorraine. And, as I'm, and, I, and I'm pulling in and I'm realizing it's a Saturday morning and I'm pulling in and I'm realizing this is not a good place to be. Because I found myself right down. I was trying to do a landmark that John Lake had talked about in his book. I wanted to see it. But I didn't realize it was in the absolute downtown, uh, the poorest area of Johannesburg, the downtown core on a Saturday morning where they have their, their like, wares and their selling stuff. And there was about 5,000 people in that square. And there's no way you can get out because you can't reverse because there's people behind you. There's, it's chaos. And I remember my sister had said, whatever you do, don't wind up in downtown Johannesburg because if they see you, because people there are carjacked all the time, all the time. And she said, if they see you and that you're a white person and they see you, they'll take your car. Many times they'll just kill you. And I didn't mean to, but I found myself there, Taylor. Honestly, I, did, I wasn't trying to test God or play games. I was just trying to find a landmark, and I realized I was there. And I'm looking around, and of course, they had upgraded me for free, so I was in a, a Mercedes. I'd, re- I'd rented a, a Volkswagen Jetta, but because I have so much business, they said, let me give you a Mercedes. So I'm in a Mercedes, top-end Mercedes, and I'm, standing, and I'm looking, and I'm white, and I'm in this thing, and I'm looking, and it hit me. Oh, my God, I'm in big trouble. And, they st- and I'm into this just a sea of faces. And they're all around the car because they're just, they're walking. And I'm going, driving real slow. And I felt that panic come in. I'm telling you, I felt that fear grip me. Because some of them are looking. And I had my hand out the window because it was hot. And some of them were coming. They're looking at me. They're, they're looking at, they, they, they walk up, they're looking at you like this. Like that. I mean, they're, they're staring at you. Like the, the, like, like the threat. They can kill you just like that. Nobody would even know it. When there's 5,000 people. Do you understand, like, mass psychology? And I felt that panic come on me. What have I done? How stupid am I? Who cares about the landmark? To give my life for a landmark? I'm going to punch John Lake out when I see him in heaven. I mean, that's what I was thinking. And I I remember I said, I kept my eyes open because I'm I'm keeping my eyes on them because there's so many of them. And and I heard the Holy Ghost say, do up your window. So I, I and I got my hands in the stairs. And honestly, I said, Holy Ghost, I don't know what to do. Should I back out? What should I do? He said, he said I'm with you. Don't be afraid. And I mean, there's st- I mean, who I'm telling you, it was scary. Because all the stories of my sister telling me, she's been carjacked, what, three times? I mean, I mean, it happens all the time. 
people being raped, people being murdered. Johannesburg was the most dangerous city in the world for years. Yeah. Now it's not anymore, but it's one of the top five. Yeah. And I'm in the worst part, on the worst part of the week, as a white man in a luxury car. How stupid can you be? And I heard him say, I'm with you. I said, oh, get me out. And he said, go real slow. Go real slow. And then a couple, a couple ones I was looking, he said, look down. Because they'll take that as a threat, as a sign of... And a couple times he said, but a couple times he said, look at them. And I'm, because they were looking at me like, like angry. And I would look at them and I just kept their gaze until they were out. And other times he said, look down. And I looked down. And the Holy Ghost knows exactly what to do if you just listen. And he said, don't drive fast, son. Because if you run somebody over, then they'll really come after you. I mean, and they're everywhere. So I was just going real slow. And they're on the bumper, you know. Some of them started hitting the car like this. And I just ignored it. Just go. And they're hitting, hitting, slapping the window. I just ignored it. Go, go real slow. I'm with you. He kept saying it to me. And I needed it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Just go real slow. Look at that one. Don't look at that one. I'll go real slow. Go real slow. I'm with you. And it took me about 10 minutes to get through that crowd. 10 minutes is a long time when you're like... Until finally I got myself through and I, and I hit that gas. I said, Jesus, if they pull me over, it will be worth the ticket. I am out of here. My point is that even when you make a mistake, even when you are to blame, covenant will work. Why? Because it's based on his perfection, not yours. And he is so merciful. He is so merciful. He is so merciful. So don't beat yourself up. Don't do things unintentionally stupid. But if you make a mistake, lean on that covenant. Father, I lean upon you. Help me. Deliver me from this. Praise God. Now I've said all these stories. Nobody will want to come on missions with me. (laughs) Father, bless the people today. I thank you. This covenant is so real to me, it's almost tangible. I can feel it. It's in me. I believe it. Lord, there's a spirit of faith about this message. There's strength. If they'll listen, their spirit will pick up strength in this message. There's a note of victory in this kind of preaching. Let their hearts receive it. Let them live it. Let them do it. Let every day them take a minute, not religiously, not legalistically, but out of the bottom of their heart to to thank you and to minister to you and worship for this beautiful covenant and this precious blood. And Lord, let them remember that it's alive in them and that for that 24 hours, they are divinely covered and nothing shall by any means hurt them. And I thank you, Father, that all weakness and all failure and all fear and all torment and all addiction, it will just fall away and they'll be free. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.